Will you pray with me? Loving God, we ask that you would draw near to us in this hour. And as you open the scriptures and open the minds of the disciples, so open us, heart, mind, and soul, to hear the living word of Christ, to be in our midst, to empower your church. Speak the word that we need most to hear, and by your grace, help us to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Next Sunday, a week from now, completes the great 50 days after Easter. The great 50 days is a way of referring to these seven weeks plus one day between the festival of Passover in the time of the Jews and the uh, festival of weeks, or what we have come to call Pentecost. And on these two great events hangs so much of the church's history. We tell the story of Christ as one who was crucified and died for our sins, who was buried and was raised on the third day. But if we tell that story and stop there, we have not told the fullness of the Easter story. These great 50 days are called Eastertide in the calendar of the church. And the Easter story is not complete until we remember and receive and celebrate the sending of the Holy Spirit upon the church. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that completes the story of Easter. The beginning of Christ's ministry, actually the beginning of Christ's time on earth and the miracle of the incarnation took place in Bethlehem of Judea. And then the beginning of his public ministry took place in Galilee where he was raised. And among the Galileans, he proclaimed that the kingdom of God had drawn near, that it was in the midst of us. He proclaimed that there was good news, that whoever wished could repent of their sins, forgiveness would be given, and afterward they would be restored to the fullness of life. He walked among the Galileans. He healed. He taught. He welcomed all people. All people. Jesus welcomed all people into the entourage. He called and set, uh, selected a handful who would become his disciples, the ones who would receive not only the miracles, not only the healings, not only the feedings, not only the welcome, but they would receive the instruction necessary to begin taking on the ministry of Jesus himself. They had a couple of trial runs. He sent 70 out to do wonderful things in the name of Jesus. They came back and they were rejoicing that God had given them power in this short-term mission for a few days. And Jesus said, and I saw Satan fall like lightning today. Hmm. The incarnation began in Bethlehem. And the ministry of Jesus began in Galilee. What's going to unfold next is that the ministry of the church is about to start. For the time of Jesus' ministry upon the earth has drawn to a close, and he's about to be taken and withdrawn from them. In the book of Acts, Luke tells us 
that the ascension took place about 10 days before Pentecost. But as he tells the story at the end of the Gospel of Luke, he tells it as though it's one more of the shocking stories that happen on Easter Sunday of the women and Peter going to the tomb and discovering the empty tomb and hearing the word, go back and wait. Of the two men on the road to Emmaus strolling down the road and thinking that all had been lost because Jesus, the one they had thought was Messiah, had been killed. And Jesus walked up next to them and they didn't know it was him until he opened their eyes by opening the Scriptures. Church, hear that again. To open the Scriptures and to break the bread with Jesus is to have our eyes open to the kingdom of God. And they returned and told the people in Jerusalem, the disciples who were left there, we have a story to tell now too, along with what the women reported. And then Jesus appeared to all of them, and then the next thing Luke tells us is they found themselves out as far as Bethany, and Jesus is, big, is beginning to tell the church the final piece of the puzzle. For all of the things that Jesus did when he walked upon the earth are now going to be handed off to the church. And the miracles and the power and the teaching and the authority and the call to repentance and forgiveness of sins, all of this now belongs to the church. And Jesus tells the disciples, I have a promise to share with you, a blessing to give to you, some instruction about the gospel that you are supposed to proclaim. He showed them in the Scriptures one more time how it is written that the Son of Man must be crucified. And then that they are going to become ambassadors or proclaimers of this good news of Jesus Christ who was raised on the third day. They're going to be telling that story and sharing the good news of Christ beginning in Jerusalem and to all the world. So the, begin, the beginning of Jesus' ministry was in Galilee. But the beginning of the church's ministry is in Jerusalem. 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 The city that stoned the prophets and murdered the messengers that God sent to them. The city over which Jesus himself wept and said, how long have I long to gather you to me like a hen gathers her brood when there's danger and tuck you under my wings, but you would not. Oh, why won't the church, why won't God's people be gathered unto God and be tucked under his wings for safety and safekeeping? But no, Jesus went on to say, it is fitting that everything should happen according to the scriptures. So Jesus put death to death he ended the fear of what comes after. And he gave the church the hope, I will return one day. And for a few precious days there, 10 of them to be exact, all of what we represent by sitting here today hung in the balance of what these disciples were going to do. For Jesus was taken up from them. No more would he walk among us until he returns in the fulfillment of creation and his final glory. And we've spent the last few weeks talking about what is to come, still to come, 
the, the visions that we have from John's revelation to the church. And we ask ourselves, is the church then doomed to live forever in nostalgia and remembrance, sweet remembrance of all that was in the past and to bounce from that remembrance to the hope of heaven and all that will come one day? And is the church just meant to be this sort of placeholder between the gifts of our past and the promise of our heavenly future? No, said Jesus. No, we don't just bounce from past to future to past to future. For I am making my church a church of the present. And he gave them a blessing and he gave them a promise. I will send to you power, power from on high. What drove my ministry, the authority of God that surged in me and my ministry is now being conferred upon all of you. So go back to the city and wait there until you are clothed with power from on high. And the church that was called to follow is about to be the church that was sent into the world to do the ministry of Christ to all the world, beginning in Jerusalem and then to all of Judea and then to all the nations of the earth. Oh, where is the power of the church today if not in the power of the Holy Spirit? United Methodist Church finds itself crouching in corners and wondering about declining membership. And we've walked around the barn and said, is there seven or eight times and said, is it the demographics of our culture? Is it that people don't go to worship anymore? Is it that we don't sing the right songs or that we sing too many of the right songs? Is it, is it the way we pray? Is it this? Is it that? Is it that? Listen, brothers and sisters, the only thing afflicting us is that we have not opened ourselves to the power of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. For every one of us was sealed with the Holy Spirit in our baptism. Every one of us was given this promise of the Holy Spirit. What they waited for in Jerusalem has been poured out upon the church if we will only step into it and live according to it. We are to be the church empowered. The church empowered to stand with nothing but God's Spirit and the Holy Scripture, to stand before bullets and tanks and guns and persecutors and everyone else and say, this is not the way of God. No, no more. To stand with just what God has given us in the face of slander and persecution and to say there is a more powerful way. The message to repent and to come to the Lord is ours to send out to the world if we would only open our mouth and in the power of the Spirit share the gospel message with others. Well, I'm not clever, or I don't know how to pray like the pastor, or, or I don't know my scriptures very well, or I don't know this, or I don't know that. Every journey begins with a first step. Open the eyes, open the heart, Open the mouth to tell the story of Jesus. We are not a powerless church. But we are guilty of trying to do too much in our earthly power. 
We are the church that tries to send ourselves before we've waited to be clothed with power from on high. We launched the second stage of the rocket before we fully understood how the first stage of the rocket worked. And so we went up a little ways, but we didn't make it into orbit yet. So what? We can do it all again. And we here at Funko are a church waiting between the first 150 years and the next 150 years. We take our clues this morning before Pentecost Sunday from what the disciples did. They didn't long for the days of fishing in Galilee and drift off and go home. They didn't spend their days looking at prophecies and charts and deciding, when will Jesus come back? When will Jesus come back? I wonder, well, look, you know, see, this looks just like the old prophet. I bet he's coming anytime soon. They didn't spend themselves consuming themselves with idle chit-chat about such things. They were obedient to the word of Christ. And they returned in great joy. For though Christ had been taken from them, he was coming again in glory. And until that time, they had work to do. And Jesus didn't send them to do the work without giving them the power to do it. And the implication for us as a congregation and for us as Christians today is that everything God wants for us to do is already here within our midst. The resources, everything we need to be faithful to God has already been given to us, including and especially the power of the Holy Spirit. Will we be a Spirit-led, Spirit-driven church? Can we, in our lives and in our words and in our witness, live out the gospel of Christ in such a way that the world sees us not as a declining denomination or a church troubled by its various stances on social issues, but as people filled with the light and the love and the grace and the power of Christ? As Paul said in the Ephesians passage today, we are the church to it to know the power, the fullness, and the depth of God's power because it is through the power of God that we have come to believe. And what did Paul say? I didn't come to you with clever arguments or convincing words, but with deeds of power and demonstrations of God's love. We need deeds and demonstrations and the simple proclamation of the gospel. The power of God's Spirit has already been poured upon the church and sealed upon our hearts and souls in our baptism. I invite you in the name of Jesus to spend this next week as we come toward the celebration of Pentecost contemplating this awesome power of God and asking God to show each and every one of us the way that we can open our mouth to proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins in the powerful, the mighty, the glorious name of the risen Lord Jesus Christ, now and forever. Amen.